King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 90 feet high and nine feet wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he'd set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, this is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of a horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of all the music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever! You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of a horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what god will be able to rescue from you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are th thrown into the blazing furnace, the god we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisers, weren't the three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, 
unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Well, um, today we are going to step back to 586 B.C., a long time ago, when uh, a nasty man called Nebuchadnezzar, um, who was by this time the king of, of Babylon, which was the rising power, uh, he sacked Jerusalem. City of God uh, went and all the people of Judah were captured, uh, taken into exile, uh, those that, uh, that survived it. And of course, this was 140 years after the northern kingdom of Israel had already been taken over by the Assyrians. So they should have been getting used to this by then. Um, but in 586, Babylon took over and Jerusalem was no longer the city of God's people. Now, some of those people were taken off into Babylon to live in Babylon. And uh, some of the, the more able ones rose to prominence in the king's court and uh, their talents were spotted and they were put to work. Um, and one of them, of course, was, was, was Daniel. Um, and then we've been talking about Shadrach, Meshach and, and Abednego. They weren't their actual names. Uh, actually, Daniel was. Um, the other ones were names given to them, Babylonian, Babylonian names. But I can't pronounce the other ones, so I'd let Mike do that. But I, uh, I'm just going to call them Shadrach, Meshach and, and Abednego. And of course, um, they're stuck in a foreign culture with a king who is worshipping foreign gods. And, and they're asking this very important question. How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? You know, by the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, there we went. When we remembered Zion, remember the song. Um, based on Psalm 137, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign or a strange land? And actually, it's a question that's very relevant to us today. Because people say we live in a Christian country. Well, I would differ to, uh, with them on, on, on that, depending on how you define it, of course. Certainly, historically, a Christian country. But today, we live in a strange land, a foreign land. But these four Jewish people who are mentioned, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
remained true to God within the foreign culture. And we, we read about that in, in the first chapter uh, of Daniel, where they were meant to eat the king's rich food, uh, and they refused because uh, it would not have been in accordance with their own Jewish food laws. And so they said, let's just eat vegetables. And that's another story for another day. And as it happened, they survived and they thrived on, on, the, on that diet. And then in chapter two, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a scary dream. And um, the scary dream, um, he wants someone to interpret it. Uh, and... Uh, he not only wants them to interpret it, he wants them to tell him what the dream was in the first place. And if you don't, I'm going to chop you in pieces. Well, no pressure then. And all the wise people in the land, none of them uh, would dare to say to the king. But then Daniel, one of the Jewish people, comes forward and says, uh, I, I, can't, I can't interpret this, but I, I have a God who can. And there a man who can. You know, that's a good one, isn't it? That. And so Daniel interprets the dream and he becomes of great favor, and he's appointed to be uh, in charge of the royal court. Uh, and he then appoints his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to be uh, administrators in his, in his, in his um, what do you call it, uh, government or what have you. Okay, and at the end of that uh, passage, Nebuchadnezzar is apparently converted to, God, to the god of Daniel because of what he's seen the God is able to do. He apparently has been converted. We'll come back to that. But the beginning of chapter 3, this so-called converted king Nebuchadnezzar sets up an enormous statue. We're not quite sure what it is. It's made of gold, and, and they want, he wants people to worship it. Um, and, and, and if they don't worship it, they're going to get chucked into a fiery furnace. Sounds like he's become a Christian, doesn't it? But his conversion has to be held in some doubt, does it not? Um, that that if, if he's adopted the God, the God of Daniel, I don't think he would have behaved quite like that. Now, um, we're going to, um, we're going to, oh, well done. Oh, you brought him in already. Okay, right. <laughs> I should keep an eye on that, shouldn't I? Okay. Um, so the, the dream that, um, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had was, of an enormous statue, and Steve worked out for me, it's about 90 feet, no, 27 meters high, this, uh, this statue. Uh, uh, well, anyway, this, this is, this, in, in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he gets this incredible statue, um, and he doesn't know what it means. So Daniel, with God's wisdom, is able to explain to him, well, I, I, this is what it means. Um, first of all, the head is you, O Nebuchadnezzar. Is that, the golden head. Talk about flattery, you know. We've got to, you've got to keep on the right side of the king, haven't you? That is you. That is your kingdom, Babylon. Which hopefully, Steve, there should be some text. Yes, Babylon. So in 586, um, you you are the the, the great king, but uh, the, the 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 head and shoulders, which are made of silver, uh, actually represent another kingdom, uh, and then um, which happened to be the Medes and the Persians. So. 539, King Cyrus, who comes in at the end of the book of Daniel, comes to rule. He's a different empire. So the Babylonians have lost their power and more people come in. And then, of course, good old Alexander the Great 
in 331 uh, takes over the empire and the Greek empire comes into power. And then the legs are made of iron, um, which is the Roman empire, but the feet are iron mixed with clay. And of course, iron and clay don't mix. And so if a rock comes along, uh, it's going to shatter the feet and all those things are going to... That's basically the meaning of the dream. And Nebuchadnezzar was quite pleased about this, <laughs> although uh, he's probably only concentrating on the golden head. But of course, we know that the rock that shattered the feet was... Last one, Steve, then you can go to sleep. Okay, um, Jesus the rock. Uh, and you notice actually in our, in our psalm earlier, we, we, we talked about um, uh, the rock. It talked about the rock as well. It all fits together, you know. Okay. So, um, this king who supposedly converted to Christianity, or no, who's converted to Judaism, worships the God of, of, of Judah, uh, sets up an image and commands the leaders. And that includes, of course, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, interesting um, that... Uh, they refuse, of course. Why do you think Jews would refuse? Just so you're, you're awake. Why, why, why would the Jews refuse to worship this? It's two of the commandments, actually, isn't it? Yeah, it is. The first two commandments, I am the God who brought you out of, of Egypt. You will have no gods before me. And the second commandment, you shall not make an image and bow down and worship it. So there's two, two of the Ten Commandments say you can't do this. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Daniel if he was there, but Daniel's in the royal court. So he's not actually involved in this story. They say, we can't do it. And so the king says, you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. Isn't it interesting um, that uh, very often kings and leaders who are in absolute power turn to religion to validate their position? Have a think about that. And then listen to this quote by John Goldinghay, who wrote a very, very good uh, um, commentary on Daniel. The institution that claims absolute authority is inclined also to claim the sanctions of religion. And how about this quote from, uh, in 1936, Herr Baldur von Schirach. If we act as true Germans, we act according to the laws of God. Whoever serves Adolf Hitler, the Führer, serves Germany, and whoever serves Germany serves God. Adolf Hitler, therefore drawing in Christian faith to validate his own position. Um, and of course, what happened in 1930s Germany was that the state churches did support Hitler and the Third Reich. Apart from churches like Dietrich Bonhoeffer's church, who were prepared to stand against and speak for truth. And of course, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed before the end of the Second World War. Never happened today, would it? President Putin, have a look who is sitting amongst all the people that listen to his State of the Nation address. There's the Orthodox Church, um, Russian Orthodox Church, who in, in, are supportive of him. I don't think they actually question him, or they probably daren't. 
In Iran, the political leaders draw on, the Ayatollahs draw on Islam to support their political situation. And dare I say, just over the pond in the United States of America, with Trump about to uh, get the nomination for the Republican Party, the majority of people who support him would claim conservative evangelical Christian faith to support a man who has blatantly lied, caused violence. Um, yeah, okay. Do you see what happens? Um, so Nebuchadnezzar's conversion must be seen with some skepticism. Uh, he apparently worships the god of Daniel, but he's now asking uh, people to wor worship his statue. Uh, he's clearly not continuing in his declared faith. Now, here's the big question. What would you do? What would you do if a government came to this country that said you must do whatever it might be? I, I can't imagine what it might be at the moment, but... Yeah. Let, what would you do if you were openly told you must do this or these are the consequences? I mean, I've been incredibly impressed by all the people in Russia who turned out to Navalny's funeral. They know that on every street post there is a camera and that their faces are going to be recognized and they, they risk enormous danger to themselves by standing up, as Navalny did. What would you do? Apparently, uh, Alexei Navalny converted to Orthodox Christianity after the Novichok attack on him in 2020. We're in no position to make judgments on that, but apparently he did, and his service, funeral took place in a Russian Orthodox church. So, we turn to scripture to find out how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego respond. First of all, they say to the king, we have no need to defend ourselves. That's interesting, isn't it? Because our first instinct is self-defense. Naturally, you know, there are certain people, and as soon as you say anything to them, they go into defensive mode, and they put up the shields, and they're not prepared to listen to any kind of criticism or... Uh, it, it's, a, it's a dangerous place to be, but it's a self-protective. It's kind of like part of human nature. We protect ourselves from any change. That's the first thing. We don't need to defend ourselves before you, O King. We are Jews. You know we are Jews. And our religion forbids us to do this, so we won't do it. And then they go on to make... Uh, uh, an incredible statement of faith. If the God we serve, uh, big pardon, if uh, you throw us into the fiery furnace, the God we serve is able to save us. That is a statement of faith. Our God is able to save us. Um, and then they go on to say, and he will rescue us. That's confidence that not only is our God able to save us, but he will rescue us from the fire. That's amazing, isn't it? But this is the most important part of the sentence. I think all of us can say that, can't we? 
Sunday morning, be bold, be strong, for the Lord our God is with you. I will not be afraid. Oh, no, no. Yeah? We've all sung it. That's why I don't like that. I'm not afraid. I say, I'm a bit afraid, but. Okay. And I think there is always a but. Uh, our God is able to save us, and he will rescue us, but even if he does not. And that's the title of my sermon today. Even if he does not, we will not bow down and worship your God. That is true faith. Knowing that our God is able to save us, but even if we recognize that he may not, still doing the right thing. Making our actions match what our words are. There's too many words and not enough action sometimes. And some people um, seem to be happy to believe in God as long as he does some miracles. As long as uh, things go well. Uh, I mean, I've been to talks where the person speaking has been promising miracles all over the place. You know, um, does that happen to you all the time? Is that because you're weak in faith? Or is it because miracles perhaps don't happen as often or, or in the way that people expect? I, I actually balked at some of those meetings. But here, true faith trusts God even when he is silent. Even when he doesn't do. Even if you do not save us, we will still trust you. There's a very bizarre sect in America. Sorry, Margaret. Uh, um, in 1909, this group set up in Tennessee. They're, they're called the snake handling Christians. Because in the Bible, it says, you shall pick up poisonous snakes and they shall not harm you. So these people bring bags of big boxes of snakes into the church and they all dance around with these rattlesnakes. They say, well, God, won't, uh, God will protect us from these snakes. Um, and some of them get bitten and they die. Well, that's not faith. It's stupidity. Sorry if anyone's listening to this who, who belongs to that congregation. But does that mean because Paul was bitten by a snake and he survived in Malta, that was a miracle. That, that was amazing. That you're going to put snakes near to your hand, uh, that is just ridiculous. Because that means if you do die, does that mean God doesn't exist? If he doesn't do what I want him to, does that, does that invalidate God? Absolutely not. He is able to save us, but even if he does not, we will not bow down and worship your statue. That's what we're meant to be. Hebrews 11 has a list of many, many people who were people of faith, but did not receive the promises that God made them. I'll just read you a few. I'm sure you're all very familiar with this passage in Hebrews. Um, whole list of people of faith faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see um by faith abel offered god a better sacrifice than cain uh, enoch was taken noah uh, uh, and it goes on and on all the people of faith and it says some of them only saw them from afar uh, they were they were sawn in two um they were 
persecuted, but they were people of faith. They did not see what God had promised, but they held on to it by faith. That's faith. Sometimes uh, someone may have had a lifelong prayer for something, and it might not happen till after they died. Martin Luther King. Yeah? We can think of lots of examples. Does that mean they didn't have faith? No, of course not. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are vindicated because they come out of the fire unscathed, not even smelling of smoke. I don't think there's any smokers amongst us, but that's quite a miracle in itself, isn't it? You sit next to someone who smokes and you know immediately. But they didn't even do that. But what the king notices is a fourth person in the fire. Weren't there three? But they're walking around and there's a fourth one in there. And he looks like a son of the gods. Interestingly, when uh, Isaiah, the prophet, who actually uh, was prophesying uh, in about 700, so um, 150 years before the fall of Jerusalem, Isaiah, the prophet, writes this. This is what the Lord says, he who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. But I want just a word of caution. It says there, you will not be burnt in the fire. Um, in Psalm 91, it says, though thousands may fall at your side, it will not come near you. Well, I can tell you that there were thousands of young men who went off to the First World War with Bibles in their pockets, thinking that, that they, would, it, they would not be the one that fell, but they were. Look at our war memorial. We can't just take those verses and then apply them to us in self-defense. We have to take the whole of God's scripture. But the certain promise is this, I will be with you. And this is the point of this. It's the same in Psalm 23, isn't it? Um, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am, you are with me. Your rod and your staff will comfort me. That's the point of this story. Not that God... Uh, saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the flames, which he did, but that God was in there with them, in the fire. Through the fire, your suffering church declare the glories of your Christ. That's the last verse of, of uh, Graham Kendrick's song that we sang a few minutes ago. God may not save you from the fire, but he will save you in the fire. I'll say that again. He may not save you from the fire, but he will be with you in the fire. Alexei Navalny would no doubt be able to testify to that. But notice at the end of this chapter, Nebuchadnezzar, despite what he's seen, is still embracing power religion. Listen to this. Uh, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. 
Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces and their houses turned into rubble. Wow, what a great conversion. Has he become a, 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 an Islamic ayatollah or something? You know, if you don't do this, you're going to be cut into pieces. That's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, this man is still not being converted. Read the next chapter. If you get, when you go home, read chapter four of Daniel and find out what happens to Nebuchadnezzar. He has to be, he has to be reduced to waking up and eating grass and being covered with dew like a cow um, before he actually comes face to face with the living God. Read it when you get home. But I want to leave you with a message of hope here. That statue. It tells us something really important. Are we under Roman rule? No, we're not. We're not under Roman rule. Since the Romans, loads of empires have come and gone. And, and when we have a look at the state of the world at the moment, you look at the, the, the Russian the state of power in, in current Russia, um, that will not last forever. When you think about um, you know, the Nazi uh, empire. He wanted to take over the world. It did not. Um, and although it looks terrible when you look at the news, those empires will not last forever because there is a rock which hits the feet made of iron and clay, which shatters the other kingdoms. They will fall. God raises kingdoms. He allows rulers, but he also can bring them down. Now, if you're going to start going home and computing how long it will be, oh, computing, that's a good one, wasn't it? Uh, um, how long Putin's going to last for, I don't know. Lots of conspiracy theories were saying that he was ill and dying some time ago. He doesn't appear to be showing any signs of that. We don't know, but we do know that the God who shattered the, sh the feet of the Roman Empire will one day shatter every empire because there is only one king. There is only one Lord, and his name is Jesus. The rock remains. We started off with these words in Psalm uh, 95, and we'll finish with those. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God the great king above all gods.